The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode 315. I'm Jimmy Kepsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bluegreennation.com. We got through the Eagles' initial uh, free agency moves or losses, uh, probably more predominantly in the last episode. Um, the Eagles have since added four players uh, since that last episode, lost a few more guys. So we'll get to all that action. But before we do... I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks, the finest meat snacks in the land. <laughs> RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Keep it short and sweet, Jimmy. Uh, it's where you want to go. All right. So as you mentioned, you did add some players, believe it or not. Not a ton of that in free agency. More losses than gains. But they did mm-hmm. add some guys, including probably the most important Future, former, or former future, I should say, Eagle in Eagles history, one Marcus Mariota. Seems like a pretty uh, like logical signing, even before free agency signing, because it seemed, Yeah, I, I think we did the podcast last, we talked about maybe backup quarterback options still. I, I, I said at the time that I didn't feel like they loved what they saw from Minshew at the end of last year, and feel like they kind of wanted yeah. to move on to a new option. And they did to Marcus Mariota, who actually got more money from the Eagles than Gardner Minshew did when he went to the Colts to sign with, uh, to reunite with Shane Steichen there in Indy. Mariota got mm-hmm. one year, $5 million, uh guaranteed, up to $8 million, whereas Minshew, I believe, only got like $3.5 million and then $5 million guaranteed. So the market said that Mariota was the better quarterback. Uh, how do you feel about him as Jalen Hurts' backup quarterback? I'm to start with Minshew. I'm curious how that all went down. Whether the Eagles actually wanted him back, or whether Minshew on his own wanted mm-hmm. to leave, um, because you know both are logical. As you mentioned, the Eagles showed that they kind of lost confidence in him in that last regular season game against the Giants when Jalen Hurts was still very clearly hurt, and they had lost two straight to Dallas and New Orleans. He played fine against mm-hmm. Dallas. Was flat out bad against New Orleans. Uh, but they they um, they had Hurts start in that final regular season game against, and they needed that game, of course, to secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
but they were playing against Giants backups. So I feel like if they had any real confidence in Gardner Minshew, they would have just played him in that game. But I think they lost confidence in him after that Saints game. Um, and with him as a as an actual quarterback, in terms of traits, backing up Jalen Hurts, he just was too different, in my opinion. They had to throw big sections of the playbook out when he had to play, particularly in their RPO game, because he just wasn't capable of running with the ball. And now Marcus Mariota gives them a quarterback who can do that. Um, you know, effective at times for the Falcons as a starter last year. He was 5-8, and eight, I think, uh, as a starter for him before he got benched uh, in favor of, I mean, their season was essentially over or close to it, uh, in favor of uh, Desmond Ritter, who was a second-round pick of the second round. I think it was, it was definitely second or third, day but I think it was pick. a second-round pick of theirs. A day-two pick. It was for sure a day two pick, yeah. I think I think he was second round, um, and he finished out the season for them. Uh, Mariota then subsequently went and had surgery. Um, basically, <laughs> it was sort of like a, a weird situation where I'm not sure if the Falcons agreed with that decision right. for him to just leave the team and go get surgery, uh, but it was very clear at that time that he was not going to be on the Falcons in 2023, uh, and sure enough, they did release him. So he won't count toward the comp pick formula with the Eagles signing him, but I think he's a more logical backup than Gardner Minshew was. I think it's an upgraded backup. The downside is that he was horrendous throwing the ball deep down the field on, on passes of 20 plus yards. I want to say off the top of my head, I believe it was eight of 44 on passes deep down the field for the Falcons last year. And the Eagles are a deep passing team with AJ Brown. And they're a shot play team at times with AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith and even Dallas Goddard uh, who can stretch the field as a tight end. So, you know, I think they have to have confidence in uh, their ability to have him improve uh, in that area. But, you know, I think certainly he's a guy that that made a lot of sense to both of us before free agents. Him and Jacoby Brissett, I think, were the two guys that made a lot of sense. Uh, instead, they'll be facing jo- Jacoby Brissett potentially as, I mean, he might be the, the commander's starting <laughs> quarterback this season. Uh, so they get, they at least get one of those two guys. And, uh, I yeah, I think it's a perfectly si- fine signing for, for, for the Eagles here. I think he was clearly the best backup or best, you know, quarterback on the market at the time they signed him. I don't know who else you really think they should have signed over him. I think he made the most sense. Um, look, a lot of backup quarterbacks just actually this is obvious, but I want to say that you're not going to get a backup quarterback who's really good at throwing the football. That's just <laughs> right. not they're all they would be starting. <laughs> yeah. He would be he'd be starting if that was the case. What he is good at is running. Now he's not mm-hmm. like, you know, Jalen Hurts. That is clearly a different level, but he can, like, you look at his, he actually had his best rushing season of his career in terms of, like, volume, and I believe efficiency, too, last season with the Falcons. So I think there is something to your point about how, you know, with Minshew, he didn't really have certain aspects of the playbook, and now um, you might still not have, like, the deep passing game, but you have some of that that mobility, and it feels like... um, if the Eagles can provide him with the support system of a great offensive line uh, with a kind of run heavy focus, like they've been able to at times, kind of like they mm-hmm. did in, in uh, 2021 Jalen hurts, they could kind of maybe go back to that and try to, you know, limit Mariota's passing attempts to something like 20 ish a game. God forbid that Jalen hurts has to uh, miss any kind of time, which he did. He, he missed a game in 2021 uh, against the jets. And then he missed the two that we mentioned last year. So mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of uh, situation you can expect Mariota to be a reasonably 
you know, uh, decent signing. Like, I, I don't think you're hopeless without him, especially with the Eagles support system. You go into a game, you're like, okay, he gives us a chance to win as opposed to you don't want him starting for, you know, if he has to start like eight games or, <laughs> or um, you know, a playoff stretch, then, you know, I, you're, you're probably, it's DOA. You're not really going too far there. But I think he can kind of help you keep the season afloat if he has to come in for a small stretch. I did want to note that uh, there are multiple ties to uh, Mariota on Nick Sirianni's coaching staff. That mm-hmm. is Eagles tight ends coach Jason Michael. He was his offensive coordinator for two years in Tennessee before actually being demoted to the quarterback's coach for two more years. So they work together. And I think that's important to mention because they can kind of have insight to whatever happened at the end of the Falcons tenure last year and kind of, you know, figure out what went down there. Um, I do think, you know, that was a different situation in terms of Mariota you know, being the starter and then being replaced as opposed to clear here. He's coming in clearly as the backup. There's no question at all. Um, I also wanted to mention quickly that uh, he played with Alex Tanney, who was recently just promoted to Eagles quarterbacks coach. And then uh, actually former teammates with AJ Brown, of course. And then uh, Michael Clay at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were together on Chip Kelly's team there. So a lot of different connections there. And it is just really funny that like this is the guy who was the future Eagles franchise quarterback and they tried to get him and i remember looking back at uh or i remember your articles at the time but i was looking back at them recently in terms of um the eagles made a big push to get him sure yeah no they wanted him very clearly they (laughs) wanted him badly and it didn't work out um but it's really funny that i I was saying to rj on the mixtape this week that like imagine you could go back in the future which obviously is its own incredible thing um but and then tell yourself that, like, okay, so the Eagles, let's say you're going back uh, before the, like, then maybe the night before the 2015 draft. Mm-hmm. And I sit, I sit myself down at, at the time, then I am like, um, like, like 23 years old or so. And I, t- Brandon, look, this is what's going to happen. The Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. And Mariota is going to be on the roster in 2023. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback who wins the Eagles the Super Bowl, <laughs> and the Eagles are going to have uh, a different head coach when they win that one, and also they're going to go to another one and then lose to Andy Reid, who's going to win his second Super Bowl. Like it's just you wouldn't believe any of that. So it, it is pretty crazy that we're here. It's so after they signed him, uh, I guess an old tweet of mine resurfaced. People were retweeting it where it's it was like, "Don't shut the door yet on Marcus Mariota." <laughs> you were right. And it was right. Boom. Take that. But it was, uh, I think that was after, it, uh, I, actually, no, I'm sure it was right after they had traded for Sam Bradford because that's they that's the move that they made in March of 2015. They traded Nick Foles and a second round pick for Sam Bradford. And then at that after that happened, it was like, okay, well, I guess Marcus Mariota is off the table completely. And I quickly re- learned, no, he's not off yeah. the table at all. Um, and then the, the actual package of picks that they were willing to give up. This is another retweet that you know resurfaced a lot, you know, more heavily over the last you know few days from Ian Rappaport on the day of the draft, where the Eagles were. I guess the package that they had put together was a couple of first round picks, a three, Fletcher Cox, uh, I think it was Michael Kendricks, Brandon Boykin. And and I think and then he and then he added like and more so like yes. it was a legit package to to move up into and they had to move up far so it was always 
going to be very hard for them to do it. I think they were, what, 20? And they wound up sticking and yeah. picking, and they took Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> which eventually helped them win a Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, uh, at the time, you know, moving from 20 to 1, sort of an unprecedented kind of move. Even the following year when they were at 13, getting from 13 to 1, that, you know, right. even that kind of move didn't often happen. And, of course, they had to make a pit stop along the way from 13 to 8 and then 8 to 1 to get Carson Wentz. Uh, but I knew that they were I knew that they were willing to pay a lot to get up to get Marcus Mariota. The only the piece of information that I didn't have at the time was the willingness of the Titans to move right. back and not take the that quarterback. Was the issue. And, and not only the Titans, the Buccaneers too. So they made all these same offers that they made to Tennessee to mm-hmm. Tampa, who wound up taking Jameis Winston number one overall. And it's funny to look back at that quarterback draft, which at the time was thought of as one of the super strong yeah, quarterback classes. Great point. Yep. And it wound up not being that at all with Jameis Winston number going number one and, and Marcus Mariota going number two. Because um, I remember like the next year, that draft class was being compared to the 2017 draft class. Was, like, can Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and uh, the other guys that were in that draft class, can they match up to the 2016 draft class? And it wound up, you know, both draft classes wound up being you know, not years that wrong. great. It's What's 2015 that? and 2016. Oh, 2015 and 2016. Yeah. Sorry. Um, can like the 2016 draft class match up to the 2015 draft class? And they wound up both being bad, but the 2015 <laughs> draft class was especially bad. Well, it's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's, that's like a big thing for me in just terms of no one knows what they're talking about when like, oh, this quarterback in class is great. People, people were so <laughs> insistent that like Wentz and Goff were not nearly as good as Mariota and Winston. <laughs> yeah. And like, and maybe that aged well ultimately, but I don't know. Well, like, they're still better. Goff and Wentz were still better than, I mean, yeah. The Eagles Wentz don't win a Super Bowl without Wentz. Wentz and, positioned and, a team to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Goff uh-huh. went to a Super Bowl and is probably is currently the best player from all four of those in terms of like, he's still a starter and deserves in terms to be a of starter one in the season. NFL. Like his, his peak, he was better than all four of those guys. Yeah. Like, you know, Jameis is a backup. I think that's clearly where he belongs. Mariota is clearly a backup. Wentz should not be a starter at this point. Might not be in the be league, out of the league anymore. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but golf is like a real starter. He's not like, I don't think he's a Super Bowl starter, but you know, he's like, a, a, he's a, he's a low end starter or at least sure. or whatever, a, a mediocre starter. But in any case, um, you just have Mariota. I, I believe, I think that has the potential to be an upgrade, at least specifically for what they do at quarterback. Because look, it's not like Gardner Minshew's arm strength was great either. And he's like chucking the ball down the field left and right. And, um, you know, is a great deep passer by any means. So, uh, I like the mobility elsewhere on the Eagles roster, Jimmy, really like the second kind of biggest signing or, or well, yeah, I would say in team, really like, so they signed Rashad Penny last week. He's probably mm-hmm. going to play a decent amount barring injury. Um, Nicholas Morrow, who has, I know been on your radar, radar, uh, radar, didn't mean to say that, <laughs> but he used to play for the Raiders for a while. Yeah, right. Uh, I thought that was a, a signing that, Made a lot of sense in terms of a stopgap. The Eagles lost TJ Edwards. They lost Kaiser White. They needed to do something at linebacker. They couldn't just sit on their hands and do literally nothing. Um, but since this is your guy, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So I had, um, he's like you said, he's been on my radar for years, actually. He had a really good season in 2020. And the reason he was on my radar at all is because the Eagles have historically looked at safeties who convert to linebackers. They've drafted safeties and tried to convert them to linebacker like Camus and Nate Gary, uh, other guys who are escaping my, my my brain right now. And then, they, of course, they've acquired 
uh, players who other teams converted from safety to linebacker, most recently Kaiser White. Um, so Nicholas Morrow is, is an example of that. He was an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. I forget exactly the year. Uh, I'm going to say it was 2019. I guess it would have been 2017 mm-hmm. um, because he became a free agent after the 2020 season. He had a really good year that last a year. A restricted uh, free agent, actually, at one oh, point. And then the Raiders put a second oh, round right, tender on right, him because they showed they like, valued yeah. him. Yeah. And he wound up getting, getting a pretty good deal uh, to stay in Oakland or Las Vegas or wherever they were at the time. <laughs> and uh, on a one-year deal, it was like five-something mil, like five-point-something million, I believe, to play the, you know, to stay there in 2021. Really good blitzer, really good in coverage, as you might expect, or you would you would hope to expect of a converted safety. And, uh, you know, decent, decent tackler, very undersized. So he's six foot, listed at six foot, 216. But he's a good blitzer and good in coverage, which the Eagles prioritize. So I always thought that he was going to be a, a guy that the Eagles sort of looked at as a potential acquisition. Again, stayed with the Raiders in 2021, got hurt, missed the entire season in 2021. Next year, signs with the Bears. I have not watched any of his play with the Bears at all. Wow, good um, insight by you. People come <laughs> to the podcast, Jimmy, they're insight. And you're like, I don't even know who this guy is. He, he had a lot of tackles with the Bears last year. He had over 100 tackles for the Bears. Um uh, a Bears guy that I that I trust said he was not as good in coverage um, as they were hoping hmm. he would be. Like he wasn't as good in coverage as he was before he got hurt uh, with the Raiders, um, and yeah. the, his PFF grade backs that up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. It, it may have just been a matter of he was you know a year off from from football and came back, and you sort of expect guys to kind of have a down year uh, compared to what they were previously. So. The Eagles have sort of looked at these bargain free agent guys who have, you know, had injuries in the past. Rashad Penny being example number one. Uh, and then the two guys that we'll get to after Nick, Nicholas Morrow, Greedy Williams, and, and Justin Evans, they're both guys that have, have had substantial injury histories as well. So that's sort of what they've been targeting in free agents in free agency because that's ultimately what they can afford. So I think this Nicholas Morrow signing, we don't know what the what the terms of his contract are yet but typically when you don't know it means that yeah. the agent isn't putting it out which of right. course means he's not proud of <laughs> whatever right. whatever you know whatever deal he got so it's not going to be a lot of money and uh i i think it's a it's a it's an acquisition that makes sense though the one thing that sort of would give me a little pause is mm. that they lose tj edwards who is a big not big but a physical linebacker uh, very stout linebacker. This guy, again, like I said, is 216 pounds. And if it's going to be him and N'Kobe Dean starting at linebacker, I'm not sure who the who the mic is going to be because um, I think both of those guys are, are probably better suited to being will linebackers. So I don't know who, who the mic would be in that, in, in that scenario. It would probably be N'Kobe Dean, I guess, but they're both undersized. So uh, if those are the two starters, then they're they're not going to have a lot of size at linebacker. You said he was 216. Where did you see that listed weight? Because Pro Wiki. Football Reference has him yeah, at 225. Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So of... maybe he's bulked up a bit. Uh, yeah. Point taken. Uh, I would point out, because you brought up the coverage numbers. Yes, he indeed was not good according to Pro Football References charting where he had a 101.8 passer rating when mm-hmm. targeted last year. That is like, so he, he was at 91.1 as a rookie, or sorry, in 2018. 
Uh, this is when, that's when uh, Pro Football Reference like started tracking these numbers. So I don't have the 2017 data. But then in 2019, he was at uh, 97.1. And then he had his career best in 2020, the year before he got hurt. That was 86.1. So he kind of had shown some promise in that regard. Maybe the injury um, sapped him or maybe it just kind of set him back in 22. Uh, so, you know, I think it's fair to wonder, um, you know, playing for a bad team, the worst team in the and NFL. A, atrocious pass rush in Chicago, too. Yeah, I mean, then their cornerbacks weren't like great. Like that was just a bad pass defense yes. as a whole. So yeah. you know, there's something to that, and I think there's something to you know going to a better team might energize a player more. Not saying effort was the biggest issue, but just naturally, um, playing around better players and playing around more of a competitive team can kind of raise your game in theory. He also was at a only 4.9 missed tackle percentage last year, which is the mm-hmm. lowest of his career. He's actually gotten like markedly better every season in that regard. So I think there's something to be said for that, especially as a player who had a, a high number of tackles um, that he's not missing a ton. So again, you can't have a Pro Bowl player at every position. Like that's just not realistic. I mean, the Eagles almost did last year, but that is not certainly <laughs> the <true>. norm. <laughs> that is that is not. Do you have that you pulled can... up right now? The Pro Football Reference page. I do. Put what what were his coverage stats specifically in twenty twenty? Uh, that I said that was his best year. That was eighty six point yeah. one. He only he was targeted um sixty five times, only allowed forty four completions for two hundred and ninety yards, six point six yards per attempt, which is like pretty. That's yeah, pretty that's, good. that's 4. the point five. There was like a target. four point something in there one year in twenty nineteen, maybe. Um, Some very low yards per attempt number i think is in there no somewhere. that was the best one in 2020 so yeah so oh, okay. you know he's he's shown like some keep I, I just think he's 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 a cromulent starting linebacker is what you want <laughs> he's not a guy you want to like i think sign to a multi-year deal and really build around but if you need him for a stopgap for one year i think he can come right. in he can be decent he's again outside of that one season where he missed the whole season which is can't just totally disregard that but sure i'm saying in all the seasons where he hasn't had a like a devastating injury in training camp when he suffered that he's pretty much played like the whole season so he's been durable outside of that like suffering a, a catastrophic injury he's not like a guy who's constantly in and out of the lineup with soft tissue injuries this isn't like far this is super far removed from being somewhere you know like where rashad penny is at so uh you know i don't i don't think it's an amazing signing but i think it's a decent one and again they they had to add someone because um, you can't just go in with N'Kobe Dean and then draft another rookie and like have those two guys be your your definite starters. It's possible they could draft someone and someone rises up to the occasion and blows them away in training camp. But you can't just go in counting on that. You had to give yourself some more uh, assurance, and they did that. All right. Uh, should we take a break here and get to the other guys? Why don't we or take we... a break here? But not before I, I briefly, again, tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Why would you do that? Well, it helps support the podcast. It's a great product that we stand by. And all of our listeners who try it firmly stand by. I am not just being uh, a shill bought out and forced to say good things like i i guarantee i i promise you i have not heard someone who's had right to stone craft jerky and was like you know what that's not good or like i didn't really enjoy that that was that was bad i've never heard anyone come close to saying anything like that they're really good at what they do it's a great product you should try it out for a discounted uh, uh availability with bgn15 the promo code and a little tease 
I think I'm I'm trying to work on something where maybe we do some kind of giveaway or something with like just selling craft jerky. So kind of working that out on the horizon. I think we're going to do some of that. Um, maybe do a little bit of a contest. We'll see how it shakes out. But um, in the meantime, right to sell on craftjerky.com discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Going strong since 2013, Jimmy, so it'll be the 10-year anniversary this October for BGN Radio. Hmm. Um, The original, obviously. There was a relaunch in 2018. But uh, anyway, the Eagles have added to their secondary, Jimmy. They brought in Greedy Williams, mm-hmm. who we got to see last year in training camp when the Eagles practiced the Browns, and I thought did not look very good. And in and fact, he got smoked kidding. repeatedly by AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Both of them, yes. <laughs> like that was kind of that was that really stood out. I think he specifically Denzel Ward wasn't playing, so he was running yes. with the Browns ones in mm-hmm. training camp, and he was just getting torn up by AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. And those are great players, and some yeah. of those were one-on-one <laughs> drills, which you know I think favor the wide receiver yes. theory because there's no pass rush, <laughs> you know. So uh, I'm not going to say he definitely stinks because of that, but I think uh, I was reading Johnny Page's breakdown, which should, everyone should check out at BleedingGreenNation.com. He did an all-22 film review, and he definitely sees some upside with Greedy Williams, who's young still and has potential, but you can also see, uh, you know the erratic nature where there's moments where he's just not quite uh, capable of being like this full-time starting player. What did you see or what do you like about him? Well, he came from LSU who churned out just good cornerback after good cornerback. And, you know, he's, he was sort of one of the next in line guys and he's six, two ran a four, three, seven at the combine went in the second round. So that's all a good start in terms of like just the baseline traits, Good size, good speed, great. Uh, had a bad injury his second, I think it was the second year in uh, in Cleveland. It was a shoulder injury, but it was like it was it was it had, he had career threatening nerve damage in mm. his shoulder uh, that he suffered during an off season practice, it cost him the entirety of the twenty twenty season. So uh, came back in twenty twenty one was uh, okay. Twenty twenty two buried on the depth chart behind the aforementioned Denzel Ward. And uh, their 2021 first-round pick, Greg Newsom. So he only played like a little bit over 100 defensive snaps on the season last year. 
I guess those guys stayed healthy. Otherwise, he would have played. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, in his career with Cleveland, played in 39 games and started 21. So he's got a little bit of experience. I think this is just a signing to bring him in, get a look, and certainly not guaranteed a roster spot by any stretch. But they could use extra depth at cornerback. Um, and he's a guy with, you know, multiple traits. So we'll see if he can, if he, if he's a little further removed from that career threatening shoulder injury and, uh, can get back to, you know, maybe being back up on an upswing from where, you know, people hoped and thought he might be after he was a second round pick, uh, out of LSU. I've, what I want to get to here is exactly that. Like he's just a flyer in my opinion. You're not making other roster moves mm-hmm. to make room for him and I the a common suggestion after they signed him was do you move Avante Maddox to safety and have Greedy Williams play in the slot? No, I don't think you do that. First of all, I think mm-hmm. Greedy Williams is more of an outside corner than he is uh, a slot guy. But also Avante Maddox is a really good slot corner. So like yeah. I don't know. What is the uh, obsession with moving Avante Maddox? I don't understand that. Like why is that such like a, an en vogue thing to be like, we should move Maddox? He's a good slot corner. Just keep him there. Slot corner is important. And um he he's very good. He's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. I mean he's he's right. had durability issues of his own, but when he's sure. healthy, he's a really good slot corner. And if you move him to safety, that's a more that's a position that's more taxing on your body than slot corner is. So you're probably opening him up to, you know, bigger possibility of of getting hurt. I think you just keep him right where he is. And then you um, need a slot corner. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, who's, well, I guess the, the idea would be that greedy Williams would be the slot corner. Um, yeah, but, but I don't see that. Again, like I said, I think he's that. more of an outside corner. And yep. when, when Matt, when both Maddox and CJ GJ were out last year, meaning they mm-hmm. couldn't just put CJ GJ in the, in the slot when Maddox was out and Josiah Scott mm. was the primary slot corner teams attacked him relentlessly yeah. And successfully, and they lost one of those games. Uh, one of them was against Washington. Terry McLaurin, you know, had some big plays against uh, Josiah Scott, but he also got beaten in, you know, games against the Packers. The Packers kept lining up. Uh, who would it have been? Uh, the young, the young kid who's the second year player. Christian Watson. Name. Yes, uh, had success against Josiah Scott. Uh, the Titans had their lone touchdown with Traylon Burks. Uh, against him, and I'm I'm forgetting the the fourth team that they played that well. That just Scott was got... to fault for the Dak Prescott completion on third and thirty, supposedly because he like he, he the way well the part of it was Gannon, but like you know he right. it was like an inverted cover two, and he was supposed to drop back from the slot and and he let um uh T Y Hilton run by him or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, the the bottom line here is <laughs> Monte Maddox isn't going anywhere. He's going to be in the slot. Uh, in 2023, right where he should be. Um, and they're going to have to fill in spots at safety, um, which I guess we could transition right to the safety they sign, unless you have anything further on Greedy. On Greedy, um, earlier in his career, there were signs of playing well in terms of he had an 84.9 pass rating allowed in 2019, and then in 2021, a, a 74.0. Okay. Um, so, And those are decent sample sizes. He had 62 sure. targets and 67 targets faced. So... Um, uh, but then last year, in a very smaller sample size, only 10 targets, he allowed nine completions for 163 yards and two touchdowns for a perfect 158.3 passer rating. So certainly not coming off a good season. And then another issue with him has been uh, not a good tackler. Like his missed tackle rates are high, like 14.5% in 2019, mm-hmm. 146 in 2021. And even last year, uh, he had 15.4. Uh, so just clearly that doesn't seem to be a strength of his. It's not like 
you know, you sign corners to be amazing at tackling, but that does seem to kind of be an issue with him. My last thing on Greedy is that it kind of feels like a preemptive strike from Howie in terms of like uh, people being able to criticize the fact that he made a commitment to aging corners who are 30 plus. And he's like, oh, well, oh, yeah. How about, well, okay, then I'm going to get a backup too, who's younger in case someone does get hurt there. And you do have some kind of player who uh, with starting experience. So, um, you know, I think it could be maybe a good competition between Greedy and Zach McPherson to see like, yep. who can kind of step up and earn that top uh, backup corner spot. Um, I will take Zach McPherson at this stage in time. I Agreed. think he can kind of uh, get that, but it doesn't hurt to give him some competition. But uh, it's a good signing. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a low risk, um, potentially decent reward kind of signing. Why not? Sure. That brings us to the Eagles adding Justin Evans, who you tease there, which is kind of a, I'd say like at a left field signing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, I put together a list of, you know, five safeties who make sense. And, you know, I think we all kind of, I, I think other, other writers had similar type stuff too. Um, guys like Adrian Amos, um, John Johnson, you, who I think was one of your picks actually in, uh, in our free agent. Uh, and it's still out there draft. He's still out there. Uh, forget who the other ones are off the top of my head, but um, Kevin Byard, the trade people yeah. want to say that. Yeah, we, 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 we let's get to him in a, in a minute. Um, but yeah, anyway, they they just signed this guy that <laughs> who played for the for the Saints last year was drafted by the Bucks originally, second round pick. So he had you know sort some sort of um, I mean he he was like a legitimate prospect coming out of Texas A and M. Missed three seasons <laughs> with Tampa mm. before signing with the Saints last year. And, uh, you know, I actually played, I think, 15 out of 17 games last year. He missed mm-hmm. the game uh, against the Eagles late in the season, but uh, came back and actually played. I know that Tommy had some I, – I don't remember him as a Tommy prospect Lawler. at all coming out. Um, I don't remember – like, I, I had no thought – I have no thoughts on him, you know, watching him at Texas A&M or whatever. He's just the guy that was not on my radar – at the time, Tommy did Tommy Lawler of uh, EaglesBlitz.com. He he wrote about Justin Evans. Did not like him as a prospect coming out. <laughs> did not think he was a good tackler. Uh, but this again, just a, another basically no cost flyer on a guy that you know did have some draft pedigree a few years ago. Is coming off. I mean, G- uh, Jesus Zoidberg. I'm, I'm guessing you probably follow him on Twitter, and uh, some of our <laughs> other, other listeners probably do too. Yes, he I said do. it was. He said something to the effect of like. Justin Evans makes Rashad Penny look like Cal Ripken <laughs> so, <laughs> with the injury history that he's had. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a no risk, no cost kind of flyer on this guy. And obviously the Eagles uh, are in desperate need of, of safety help having lost CJ GJ. We'll get to him uh, later in the episode. And uh, of course, Marcus Epps, um, the season starts today. Your starters are probably Reed Blankenship and Kayvon Wallace, which obviously is not ideal. I imagine, I mean, not, not I imagine, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, feel pretty certain that they're going to sign another safety between now and the start of the draft. And obviously safety in the draft uh, is another strong possibility as well. Yeah, I think uh, when they signed Evans, I had the thought that, and I've heard this comparison made elsewhere. I know Bo Wolf among them, um, that this is like the Andrew Adams signing um, from uh, the 2021 offseason where okay. 
Uh, it was like, okay, here's a safety who's played in the NFL before, has some experience, isn't a lock to make. He's a veteran guy who isn't even a lock to make the roster. I think he's like on the roster bubble. He's a chance to compete for a spot. Mm-hmm. It's literally, you just needed bodies at that spot, like you yeah. said. Because the only players they have under contract at safety uh, before adding Justin Evans were Reed Blankenship, who showed promise. And I think he can reasonably sure. uh, be expected to start this year. Uh, Andre Chachere, who's like, you know, career journeyman, special teams guy, not going to start for you. And then didn't make the team out of training camp last year. Exactly. Uh, and then Kayvon Wallace, who I thought like ultimately probably played a little better than I expected, but still just, I don't think anywhere close to coming, uh, uh, or coming anywhere close to being counted on as any kind of meaningful, uh, player who's going to take a lot of snaps. I just don't think you can say he's done anything to justify that. Mm -hmm. So you needed to add literally someone and the Eagles clearly made it very well known to uh, anyone who was willing to tweet out that they were not done at safety because it was multiple reporters who tweeted out that uh, this is not the only move the Eagles are expected to make at safety. Um, so, you know, I still think it's possible they sign a John Johnson or or maybe trade for someone. Um, I know you wanted to talk about Here are the other guys. Here are the other guys that I had on the list, by the way. Jalen Mills, mm-hmm. who already resigned with the Patriots. Taylor yeah. Rapp is the one that I like. He's probably That's at the top of my list from Why the Why is he still out there? I don't know. It's weird because he's a decent player, good tackler, young. Maybe he's maybe he's sort of in a CJGJ sitch where he's 25. He was hoping his market was going to be higher than it was. And maybe True. he's just kind of holding out for, for something better. Let's talk about Bayard now, too, by the way. Like, yeah. He is an awesome safety, obviously. Like he's he's picked off at least four passes in seven of his NFL seasons. Led the league Pretty with good eight. for a safety. Yeah, yeah, and it led the league with eight in in 2017. Um, was the first pro, first team All Pro in 2017 and 2021. So that that's a recent first team All Pro nod for him. Um, they the Titans reportedly you know asked him to take a pay pay cut and Bayard probably rightfully so was like GTFOH, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm not taking a pay cut. My pay does not warrant that or my play does not warrant uh, a pay cut. So uh, his, his base salary this year is 13.6. So if you trade for him, you got to be able to have that 13.6 on your cap initially before you can even restructure it. So these guys wouldn't even be able to do that right now. If they were to bring them in, they'd have to restructure somebody before they can even exercise that trade. Um, and then, you know, and I guess if they, if they did make that trade, then they restructure Bayard very quickly. Um, so I don't really see him as a, as a legit option, more of a pipe dream in my opinion. Uh, they did release him, then yeah, I think you certainly kick the tires and and you see what the cost is, but I don't know that anyone's going to trade for him in that 13.6 million at this point in the, in the off season. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if, if the Titans wound up releasing him. Well, at that point, then the Eagles could certainly... Uh, potentially sure. look into it more. Although again, I, I don't know that um, they would be able to offer the most compared to other teams. So it's something to keep an eye on, but like, I don't, I wouldn't like, you know, bank on it being, Oh, that's the answer at safety. Definitely. And again, even if you do add him, it's not the end of the world, but you're adding another player kind of like older ish to your secondary. Um, this I think is going to be his age 30 season or he's 29 right now. Well, he's been, so. he's, he's got seven years in the league. Mm-hmm. So I mean, forget age. I think you know, the number of years that they're in the league, I think, is more telling of True. the wear and tear that's on their body as opposed to their actual age. Yeah, this will be his age 30 season. 
um, for the record. So not mm-hmm. against it, but you know, it's it's not like we it's this is not the AJ Brown trade of last year in terms of you're giving up number thirty for him. No, like that's not no. I, I don't think you're doing that. Um, I don't think that's the move. Uh, so you know, there's still time. I, I I do think it's a little bit of a cop out to say that because you can't just rely like the Eagles. I think the Eagles themselves and the Eagles writers will like to say. It's a long off season. Well, Harry Roseman likes to say it's a long off season, and that's mm-hmm. true. But you can't count on getting CJGJ, a player of his caliber, again like days before the season to fill a hole for you. Like you can't count on that. You can't count on like a James Bradbury player who ended up being second team All Pro to be like available still to sign or get cut. Like you can't. Those things can happen, yes, in theory. But like it's not. You can't plan for that to happen. So um, I do agree that the roster is not set, but it's also fair to like wonder. Okay, who are who are our starting safeties at this point? Yeah. Like you said, you're just looking at what's currently on the roster. Um, it's not the most all-inspiring thing. So anyway, yeah, I think Evans is fine to add as competition, but they still clearly need to add more talent there. And it's not just about like getting Brian Branch. It's not just about doing. Um, I don't. I don't think like two. I don't think Reed Blankenship and a rookie is like the most necessarily inspiring uh, starting safety duo there. Um, it's not just but... it's not what they do like and when they have done that in the past like just draft for an immediate need it typically doesn't go well <laughs> yeah. like that player often doesn't pan out long term or short term so uh you may as well just draft the best player available and what the eagles are good at what howie roseman one of the things one of the things howie roseman is good at is at least putting competent players in all the starting spots before the start of the draft so he's not forced uh, to draft for need like they have done in the past. And actually, when you look at like what where the roster was this time last year, uh, you know, uh, corner was certainly uh, an issue because all you have was Darius Slay. You just lost Steven Nelson in, in free agency. They didn't have Bradbury yet. And then wide receiver, <laughs> their wide receivers were, um, I guess it would have been Devontae, Jalen Rager, and... JJ and I guess they they had signed Pascal probably by now too, but yeah. it was basically <laughs> Rager was probably either your your two or your three, <laughs> and Quez of course they had so was, Rager was probably your three at that point and you know probably in line to play a decent number of snaps anyway and then of course they make the the, the draft day trade for for AJ Brown so I do think that the point is valid uh, that you know yeah. there's still plenty of off season to go uh, but they don't really have that many holes to fill. They Morrow's one that that you know they can at least feel is a competent starter, and then offensive line nothing. Running back you can maybe add somebody. Quarterback they're done. Tight end they're done. Uh, edge rusher done. T- defensive tackle probably done for now. Uh, and then sa- corner done. Linebacker done for now. Safety's the only one that they really have to fill between now and like April twenty seventh or twenty eighth or whatever the draft starts. So uh, I do I do think they're going to add some. Who do you think it'll be? One shot. I'm going to stick with John Johnson. I think that makes okay. a lot of sense. I think he's a guy. I mean, I just think he's a guy who could potentially be around for multiple seasons. And if not, I think he's at least kind of like a Nicholas Morrow level signing for you at safety who can, you know, he can get at the very least, he can get you through 2023. Um, and by the way, I want to hear your pick, but just real quick, me, my last thing on the concern level thing. I just, I just don't want to hear it's like a zero out of 10 level concern if 10 is being like, you know, the sky is falling when it comes to the offseason is long. Like, don't worry about it. They'll definitely figure it out. I'm like, I, it, it's not a 10. It's not a 10 out of 10, but it's also not a zero out of 10. It's somewhere in between there. Maybe like, you know, like a four out of 10 or a five out of 10, whatever. 
But um, who do you think they're going to get? My top two are Rap and Adrian Amos. Mm-hmm. Um, Rap Rap solves your concern not just short term but potentially long term, and he's a versatile player. He played all over the Rams defense, and I think you know, you know, we don't know exactly what Sean Desai's defense is going to look like, but I think just as a core principle of the team itself, I think they're really looking for players that add versatility uh, to the defense just across the board at all their positions. Um, and he gives you that. So uh, I think he makes sense. And then Amos, I think more makes sense as a one year yeah. bandaid where he's competent and he, he there, the stat that I saw from PFF and I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he had extremely low percentage of, uh, you know, getting beat for explosive plays on targets okay. his way. So I think at a minimum, you can count on him to just not, you know, have the the top taken off the defense, um, which, you know, we saw Jonathan Gannon's defenses get get killed by, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. He'd be a great fit for what Jonathan Gannon likes on his defense. But I think he's just uh, I think he's the safe play and rap is probably a slightly more expensive mm-hmm. play. Uh, but if I have to choose one, I'll go rap. I'll, I'll go, I'll go aggressive and I'll say, I'll say Taylor rap. Well, let's take another break here before we talk about a player who left at safety, which is why the Eagles are figuring out what they do moving forward, but not before we hear about yep. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and Roach Realtors.com. Kristen Roach is heating up a little bit here. She's got a few, uh, new listings that, uh, she's been busy sort of staging, uh, you know, getting photographers, you know, in and out and whatever, uh, which of course it's all the va- value added stuff that she brings to the table as the best realtor in the history of the universe as voted on by God himself uh, or herself or whatever God is. Um, but yeah, if you want to, if you are looking to buy or sell your home or even just kind of get an idea of what your home is worth based on home comps, in your area, feel free to reach out to her. That would be free of charge, of course, the home comp thing. Mm-hmm. 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Call or text her there. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy. The Eagles lost John C. Gardner Johnson. The world is ending. The season is over. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that whole situation is uh, very crazy. <laughs> I think he's got some incompetent agents, if, if I'm just going to be frank. Um, just to break the very simple explanation of how that all went down was the Eagles were interested in resigning him. They gave him what they felt was a you know fair market offer, which turned out to be uh, according to, I guess, a combination of his agents and other reporting, uh, basically $24 million for three years. So $8 million per year over three years. 
CJGJ was like, nah, that's BS. I'm not signing that. I'm worth more than that. I led the league in interceptions. Screw you. That's not enough money. Eagles said, okay, we are going to try to bring back Darius Slay then as well. And we're also going to sign James Bradbury. So they allocated the resources that they had sort of, um, you know, in not in reserve, but just the, what they had in mind for, for CJGJ, they took that money and instead applied it to uh, Darius Slay and, and, and uh, James Bradbury. And they've, that's something that they've done in the past. So like, it's not out of the ordinary for, for them to do that. And they wind up bringing Bradbury back and they wind up working out a, a, a restructured deal for Darius Slay. And now they're sent a quarterback. CJGJ doesn't find the market that he was hoping for elsewhere. So now he wants to come back to the Eagles and, uh, you know, maybe start to rediscuss the deal that they had on the table. But at that point, the Eagles now no longer have that money to spend. Uh, so they had gotten an offer from the Detroit Lions for, of course, one year, eight million. Uh, his agency put out that they gave the Eagles the opportunity to match that. Again, the Eagles didn't have that money anymore. Couldn't do it. Best of luck in Detroit. And he's off somewhere else. So, um the weird thing about this situation was that his agency put out a very misleading tweet saying that they offered a deal that was worth uh, i guess 7 million in the first 2 years and 17 million in the third year and that's just not how con- NFL contract certainly not how the Eagles con- structure any of their contracts and right. nor do any other teams in the NFL it just it just doesn't work that way it's a stupid tweet <laughs> and actually uh uh Sam Lynch, the great Sam Lynch, uh, salary cap amateur expert uh, of of the salary cap. He tweeted, he, I guess t- uh, Jim Trotter, I forget who he works for, but veteran um, NFL reporter, very good NFL reporter. NFL Network, I think. He tweeted like the uh, the eyeball emoji, quote tweeted the eyeball emoji on, on his the that agency tweet that claimed mm-hmm. you know, two years, seven million, and then seventeen million in the final year. Sam replied to that with what he felt the structure probably looked like uh, in whole chart form. So if look that up on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, yeah. find Jim really Trotter, his eyeball emoji, and then look, check out his replies. You'll see Sam Lynch on there and check out his, his like, you know, his basically money chart that he put together. Mm-hmm. And it very clearly shows, you know, like probably what the agents are describing, but it's really just, the Eagles putting money, you know, backloading the cap number for that contract. Not what right. CJ is actually paid. He's still going to get eight million each year that that he plays out that contract. Eight million year one, eight million year two, eight million year year three. It's not like he's getting like three point five year one, three point five year two, and then seventeen year three. Which of course they're going to cut him before he ever gets to that point anyway. Mm-hmm. In that hypothetical situation. So his agents are just kind of, <laughs> and the cap doesn't just, matter to him as a player. Like the cap space don't, they don't players it doesn't, doesn't matter, right? Exactly, because that's just like a, that's a number the team has to con- be exactly. concerned about for their accounting. It's not a number that impacts what he's getting paid. Basically, what happened? The, the very bottom line here is that his agents misread the market. They thought he would be worth more than he was when they turned down the Eagles' initial offer. The Eagles went elsewhere. They they allocated that money elsewhere. They came back and they, they didn't find the market they wanted. And when they came back to the Eagles, their money was gone. So he's with a new team now. And I think that the, 
so I've heard, I, I listened this time of year, like I'll listen to like NFL, um, you know, wide podcasts mm-hmm. and more, a common sentiment was, oh, he's betting on himself, you know, next, if he has a good season next, th- this year, he'll hit the free agent market and he'll cash in. No, he won't. <laughs> like, if this is what his market is now, he's coming off a, a, a phenomenal season. He led the league in interceptions. How is he going to, he's going to improve on that and then get more money next year. I just don't see that being realistic. The more likely scenario is he doesn't have a, as good a year in 2023 as he had in 2022 he led the freaking nfl on interceptions despite missing five games with a lacerated kidney that's gonna be very difficult to match my my guess is that he probably doesn't make as much money in 2023 as he did in 2022 and played for a super bowl team like this was yes. like a 90 i feel like this was a i said this to rj a 99 percentile kind of season that you could get out of Chauncey Gardner Johnson like he could not <laughs> yes. have risk, realistically other than missing some games but like for the most part realistically he could have not have had a better season there's no way he's positioning himself next year to ha- like make more money I just yeah. I, I don't other than just the natural flow of the market going up but like man I think and I, like I know a lot of people want to rip his agency and they should but that's not totally detached from the player. Like that is not sure. This is, it's isn't like CJ DJ is like, oh, I really want to resign. But you know, like the agency is just like the bad guys who are like, no, trust us, don't resign this. No, that is not at all the situation. The agency at some level is a reflection of what the player, how they feel, and what yes. they want. And I think it's very clear, very transparently. So I think I like a lot of this. I just want to be clear here because I think a lot of people think the Eagles like botched the CJ DJ DJ thing, and I don't think that's entirely true. Not at all. I'm not. And this is not like hindsight analysis. This isn't like, oh, well, he's gone, so now it doesn't matter that the Eagles lost him. To be very clear, the Eagles are a worse team now with CJDJ off the roster. I agree with that. But he was not a player. And again, go back and listen to the Stay or Go podcast when we were talking about him. I think it, I, for some reason it became like very, um, I think, groupthink. And I'm not like totally bashing that. I think, you know, he's kind of a fun player to root for when he's on your team, certainly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought he could be this long-term piece. I don't that's I don't think that's necessarily what the Eagles always thought, at least at the level of like, oh, we have to keep this guy because they could have franchise tagged him if they truly felt that way. And they didn't. And they don't really use that. So, you know, I'm not shocked. But like, I don't think the deal they offered him, uh, you know, the three for the 24 is also like we have to have this player like blank mm-hmm. check foundational kind of player. No, it was like, yeah, we would like him back. And I saw some people kind of. Um, rail against what Jeff McLean had put out there in terms of the Eagles like had some concerns. They thought there were some risks um, that could that were uh, had to be factored in to re-signing CJGJ. And I saw some responses to that, like, "Well, then why would they offer him the contract?" Well, more than one thing can be true. Like, it's the Eagles had some level of comfort of offering them this extension, but again, it wasn't to the point where they were going to make sure they outbid everyone and had to get him back. Um, they liked him at a certain number. And the Eagles clearly read the market correctly <laughs> because like, like they, they, like, and you know, that the point too, where you talked about like CJ, DJ wanting to come back and the Eagles not having the money anymore, even if they did, they shouldn't offer him the same contract because they, where's his leverage now? Right. No, he right. lost leverage by having like totally misplayed his hand and being out there. They shouldn't offer him the same exact contract when he's in a position where they know they, in theory, might be able to get him for cheaper or a fewer years or whatever. Um, so it's definitely a loss. You know, they have to figure out what to do at safety moving forward. But again, like I, I, I thought someone was at risk of making a really bad decision 
with the CJGJ contract at the start of free agency and risking overpaying him because he's coming off this like 99 percentile season that you're not going to get again from him. I think he's like a two or three interception per year kind of guy. He's clearly good at getting his hands on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. He's versatile. He's young. There's a lot of good things to say. But like, man, look, and, and this is again, this is not hindsight. This is not me being like, this is not coping. This is not me being like, oh, actually, his interceptions weren't that impressive now i said that during the season these are things that are being said during the season yeah. i know like shane half would get on here on the post game show and that was always like a thing we'd talk about uh or that was talked about like man he's just in the right place at the right time with some of these ball and, found like, him he made the plays on the ball that on the balls that came correct. his way but the ball found him and i'm not trying to take credit away but i'm saying like when you watch his six interceptions from last year i think there's at least three that were just like tip balls that had nothing to do with him and they ended up round, like ending up right in his hands. Yeah. Which again, does Nigel Braddon make those plays? No, he can't catch the ball. You know, just just to kind of contrast. Did Malcolm like, Jenkins CJ... drop some of those? Yes. Sure. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying now CJ DJ is a bad player. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like I don't think this was a you a foundational franchise player you hand a blank check to and you have to keep around. It's a bummer they lost him, but I think when the Eagles brought him in. It was not always the mindset that they were going to sign him to a long-term extension. I don't mm-hmm. think that was because, like, look what they gave up in the trade. They didn't give up like a first round. They didn't like sink this major investment to him. He was a low-cost ad, and I think they liked and they thought maybe we can re-sign him. But I don't think it was like a definite thing they had to do. And I think you pointed this out, um, as of others. This is the second team in the past seven months or so that mm-hmm. entered negotiations with CJGJ and ended up being like, you know what, not worth it, walking away. And does that mean those teams are definitely right? No, but I'm just saying it's not just the Eagles. The Saints were also it's in a boat. Two in seven months. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like so. So the point is, like, maybe there's something with the player, and it's not just the teams making mistakes. I think a lot of the fans were turned off too by just the constant cryptic tweets too, <laughs> which don't matter ultimately. But at the same time, like. What are you doing? <laughs> like, On that is... point, I want to say, like, how can you look at, like, the, the agency, what they tweeted, and the energy of that, and the energy of some of the things that CJDJ has tweeted, and be like, yeah, we definitely missed out. Like, we, we, we screwed this up. I can't believe we don't have this guy. Like, is that really exuding, like, the best energy? Just, I don't know. Les Bowen had a funny tweet. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was something to the effect of, like, uh, you know, uh, an agent debating with fans on whether he got the best deal possible is a new mm. one to me <laughs> like he had right. never seen that before right which is which is true which is funny but also true i've never seen that either unless he's been doing this a lot longer than i have mm-hmm. i think cj dj is gonna have a good year for the lions next year yep but um i don't think he's gonna be like all pro <laughs> i don't think he's that kind of player and who knows what's gonna happen after next year like whatever that doesn't matter but like I, I just i don't know i don't think the eagles really i i just i saw a prevailing take this week at least i thought maybe i'm letting sports radio or whatever get too much to my head or twitter but i just thought there was this kind of take out there like the eagles messed this up super bad and another thing was like well, why would you sign fletcher cox for 10 million which to be clear i don't like that move i'm not defending that move yeah but then not be able to bring back cj gj it's just not it doesn't it's not like this it's not a direct comparison like you, they needed to add a defensive tackle, and that's what the defensive tackle market was. Like that's, and also CJGJ wasn't potentially willing to resign at that point. So like that's the timing of all that. Isn't it's not as simple as that. It wasn't like oh you pressed this button it was bad instead of this button that was good. It didn't it didn't work out like that. Um, so the uh, the safety market was shockingly gross for the players. Right. 
the one one guy got paid. Jesse Bates got paid by the Falcons, and he got a lot of money. It was like sixteen million or something like that per year. But you look at the other contracts that were signed. I I think I think CJ had the second highest one, if I'm not mistaken, at eight million. I'd have to look, but I think he had the second highest one. And so it's I think a Jordan Poyer didn't get Jordan Poyer is a lot more accomplished player over, over his career than than CJ. He's a little older, of course, too. But he 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 got like six, seven million, something like that. So like all these, a lot, and there's still you know five to ten safeties that are on the market still that were regular starters last year. So uh, that that market had, and there the market was just flooded with you know with safety so i think it was definitely a buyer's market but uh it was just that one contract early in the process and that actually that contract may have been sort of the thing that kind of uh led to all this Mm -hmm. where like maybe you know cjgj sees that bates contract and is like well i should be getting at least something close to that and not half of it and uh the the rest of the league felt otherwise is really the bottom line so Eagles have, as we mentioned, some opportunities to still add to that position. We'll see what they do. Uh, losing CJ CJ definitely hurts, but I don't think it's the I don't think it's this death knell by any means. And a really quick update on the Eagles compensatory pick formula, which I feel like mm-hmm. you should be doing. Uh, so what's what's their outlook in that regard? In terms of they're so, going to get four uh, picks next year. What what picks are those going to be? Yeah, I'd like to explain that real quick. So they'll get a three for Hargrave. That's that's basically set in stone, and then they're. I have it as three fifth round picks mm-hmm. uh, over the cap has it as uh, two fifth round picks and one six where we mm-hmm. differ is on CJGJ because it's been reported a couple different ways where it's either 8 million or 6.5, mm-hmm. but worth up quote unquote up to 8 million. He might not even have gotten 8 million, frankly, because somebody did report up yeah. to 8 million. So it might not even be like a base salary of 8 million. Um, so anyway, I have that at eight million, which is worth a five. They have it at six point five million currently, which mm-hmm. is worth a six. So that's where we differ. Uh, but Andre Dillard will be a five uh, as long as he plays. I believe it's twenty five percent of the snaps in twenty twenty three, which he's mm-hmm. going to go into training camp with the Titans as the projected starter at left tackle. Right. <laughs> we'll see how all that goes. But he's kind of on the five six border. And then the other guy who's a five is uh, Sayamalo, who, uh, okay. of course, Isaac Sayamalo, which we should touch on real quick to year two, mm-hmm. uh, signed with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for, yep. he was what, eight million a year as well. So, so yeah. He, he'll be their new, he'll be uh, a new starter for them. His departure from the Eagles will, of course, mean that Cam Jurgens, for now, depending on what happens in the draft, will step in as the starting right guard for the for the Philadelphia Eagles inside in between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. But yeah, it's, the Eagles are 100% going to be going to get four compensatory picks cuz they have like I think it's nine guys currently mm-hmm. who qualify toward the compensatory pick formula. You get a max of four. So five of those guys won't count ultimately. And so they could even sign guys between now and the cutoff date for when guys will qualify for the formula, which I believe is like early May. Yeah. Um, Not too long after the draft. So they could, they could even sign a few more guys and they'll just, you know, knock off, you know, some of the sixth round guys, like some of the guys that that will qualify, qualify for like a six round pick for like Kaiser white, TJ Edwards, Marcus Epps, et cetera. 
Uh, they have so many guys that that count toward the formula that if they sign a guy, it won't even matter because it's just one of the guys at the at, you know at the end will get lopped off. But I don't I don't suspect they're going to sign anyone that gets a big deal at this point anyway. But yeah, they're going to have four comp picks for sure. Again, my projection would be a three and three fives in the twenty twenty four draft. They now have a couple of twos. If we are factoring in these compensatory picks, they have twelve mm-hmm. picks total. So they have a one, a couple of twos, a couple of threes. I believe one, four, yep, five, a potential, five, a potential four. If Rager plays well, <laughs> and potentially two fours if Rager plays well, but unlike right, five, five fives, one of which can become a four if mm-hmm. Rager hits certain statistical benchmarks, which uh, we won't get into all that yep. again here. Uh, I forget how many sixes, but and then like a seven next. They, they have. I think they have two sixes they, at the end of that. I don't. I don't. Think oh, they have no, a seven. no seven. I don't think they have a seven. Yeah, but they have and twelve of, picks. So they they have a chance to absolutely reload yeah. with uh youth in 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 a you know a year from now by the way little side um debate on that i've gotten a lot of questions in terms of and we're getting a little off track here but that's fine uh i've gotten a lot of questions about should the eagles trade some of those 2024 picks to bolster their 2023 uh draft capital cuz in this in 2023 of course, they have two first-round picks, 10 and 30. They have their second-round pick. They have their third-round pick. But then they don't pick again until the seventh round, and they have two seventh-round picks. So they don't have picks in the fourth, fifth, or sixth rounds. So the question I've gotten is, should they use some of those 2024 picks to gain more draft capital in 2023? My guess is no. I mean, it's possible that they do. But what the Eagles have done for really a long time, but especially over the last few years, is they've taken advantage of a market inefficiency where other teams value the current year's picks way more highly than future year picks. And the Eagles have taken advantage of that, as we've seen, where they've traded, you know, first round, they traded back in the first round and added a first round pick in the, in the, in the following year, like they did with the Saints uh, last year and like they did with the Dolphins the year before that. And they've really just kind of uh, hammered those two teams in terms of draft pick value. The Eagles don't put that big, don't put a, a bigger premium value, uh, whatever you want to call it on current year picks over future picks. So I don't think they're going to want to pay that premium to move from the future year into the current year with all the picks that they have in 2024. I don't see that as happening because I I don't think they want to give up that value. Maybe they do it once if there's a player they absolutely love. Yes. Um, Right. And I think it's more about, uh, to me, I look at those future picks as ammo in terms of, uh, like a trade, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the comfortability to kind of make a trade, um, and knowing that with those future picks that you have some ammo next year, um, you can, you can use those picks for like the trade deadline in 2023. Sure, You can yep. use those picks in 2024 to trade up for players in that draft. You can trade mm-hmm. out of those picks and, and keep that draft capital, you know, tr- you know, money train kind of, kind of chugging along by adding picks in 2025. So there's a lot of different things they can do with those picks, you know, aside from, you know, using them toward 2023 in some way. Also want to quickly note that because um, we've talked about this, the JC2A resolution picks in terms of if the Eagles either lose uh, one of their minority candidates, 
they would get uh, two third round picks in successive drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would not be true for Sean Desai if they lost him after this season because he has to be in the building for two years. So if they lost lost him after, oh, is that right? Next I didn't know season, that. Okay, yeah, good point by um, Scott Jennings from Hogshaven who kind of mm. clarified that. But it would qualify for Brian Johnson because he's, it, it's not about being in their position; it's about being in the organization. So Brian Johnson has been with the Eagles now for you know multiple years. So if they lost him uh, to head coaching job after this season, they would get it uh, two third round picks for him i did not uh, know sh- that that's a good that's, yeah. that, that's a good nugget i thought that was important to point out so yeah if they lost to Cy after this year they would not get any uh compensation but if they lost them after the 2024 season they would so anyway all that is really in the weeds but the point is <laughs> the eagles have only six yeah. picks this year but they do have future flexibility so that's definitely a good thing and um while i know it's certainly not like exciting because it's so far away it is not as simple as like the Eagles just lost all these guys who walked out the door. Um, for some of them, it's almost like they traded them, you know, for these these picks that they're going to get uh, in 2024. So you do get some kind of value back. By the way, I was going to say recoup there, and it reminded me of how when um, uh, Stats and RJ were doing the SB Nation NFL show one time, and RJ said recoup. He, he did not pronounce the P. He said recoup. <laughs> like, like, a, like, a, like a government coup? Like a no, yeah. like an overthrow and of the government, a coup. Listening to that, I was like, "What?" <laughs> and to be clear, I'm not making fun of him for misspeaking because I misspeak all the time. Yeah. I love that. Um, it was just such an insane thing to say. And then, like, I'm so glad Stats didn't just blow by it. Stats is very good, um, probably better than anyone at not interrupting someone when they're speaking. I, I'm bad at that. I'm sorry. I'm bad. Too. He's like I'm bad really at good too, at letting people right finish. <laughs> yeah, but like I think he had, he had to jump in at that point. He's like, wait, he's like, wait a minute. You can't just say recoup. It's not a real thing. It's recoup. So uh, I just that's a favorite podcasting moment for me in SB Nation NFL show history. As a quick tangent, but you mentioned in there uh, the Eagles lost Samalo. That's a big loss in terms of uh, like he's a good player. It's not a big loss in the sense that they were really expecting to get him back, especially after Jason Kelsey uh, announced he was returning. But like, I, I think Cam Jurgens showed a lot of promise. We talked about that. But that yep. was at center, to be fair, and he's never played guard. He, he does not have experience there. It doesn't mean he can't do it. He did do some training there, supposedly in the season and whatnot, and then practices, but he does not have game experience there. And that's a bit of a projection. And when you go from a player who's kind of like, I think, a Pro Bowl level caliber player that Samalo is, or at least a very good starting guard, mm-hmm. to an unproven option starting this first season at a different position, like that's, you know, it, there could be some drop off there. You, I think you have to acknowledge there's potential for that. There's also potential that Jurgens is just really good uh, and ex- excels and ex- uh, exceeds expectations from day one. But um, it's not like that's worth pointing out. Yeah, and then the Eagles, of course, lost Zach Pascal too, which we mm. just touch on real quick. The Eagles wide receiver depth, that's <laughs> not really that uh, robust at the moment. They, of course, have the two stars in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They still have Quez on the roster. I know that one of your things is, you know, they could potentially trade him maybe, or what are they going to do with his con? He's, they he's do got that player performance escalator uh, bump in pay. He's now go- he's going to count for a little bit under $3 million. Uh, for 2. the 8. 2023, yeah, two point eight million for the twenty twenty three uh, salary cap. So to be determined, I'm sure they're going to ask him to take a pay cut. And if he doesn't, I'm curious what they'll do. Uh, whether he'll still be on the roster or not. My guess is yes, but 
man. Not, not, you know, it's not, it's not like it's not set in stone that he will be if he doesn't take a pay cut. Um, so yeah, I'll see what happens there. They don't have Zach Pascal anymore, so they don't have their enforcer. And then beyond that, they really don't have much. <laughs> they have Tyree Cleveland, they have Devin Allen, they have Britton Covey, and of course, they always have Greg Ward. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a sort of an underrated, you know, under under the radar need uh, in two ways, both in, in terms of the lead up to the draft and then also in the draft itself. Uh, that's a position they could look to add to as well. Like Pascal didn't obviously have a lot of production last year, what, like 10 catches or 15 catches, whatever, for about 150 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But he could have reasonably had if the Eagles weren't so talented in terms of having right. A.J. Brown. Devonte and Dallas Scott are as their top three targets. Like I think he's he's more his quality is better than the stats showed last year. And God forbid they did have an injury to AJ Brown or whoever or Devonte, then I think he would have been able to like step up and not be amazing, but like be a respectable player out there. And now you know you're in a spot where if you do have one of those injuries now, I don't you don't have that that safety net behind you. And uh, you know I think it's someone like a Tyree Cleveland who was added late in the, the offseason there or during the season, I guess, um, like he might be able to develop into what Pascal gives you at some level as like a blocking receiver guy who plays special teams, does the dirty work basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, far, he could also be terrible and, and not make the team. Uh, I, I don't think it's like a position that the Eagles like should super struggle to find. It feels like there has to be some kind of vet lingering out there in free agency at some point that they can add who might be able to do that. Um, but again, it's not that like the Eagles are screwed is the point. The point is that, I think it's like, like Somalo again, um, like you're losing something that's good and proven. So that's a potential spot for a downgrade. It's something to keep an eye on. And yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think you can keep Quez at his current number. I think it's a failure. Like, I just, I don't see how you can do that. Like he, he didn't have a good year last year. <laughs> he, he did not, he, he very much proved not trustworthy and it would just be kind of crazy to me to kind of keep him at this number and expect him to be fine. And like, Oh, last year was a blip on the radar. Like, I don't know, man. Um. All right, we'll cover That's like every we... draft angle as we get closer to the draft and move past free agency. But I think one thing to look at at the wide receiver position is if they don't add somebody between now and the start of the draft, I think they're you know they're, they'll have their eye maybe mm. on a slot receiver in the draft, and there are a bunch of players that could be available like at the end of the first round of that pick thirty, like Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, Zay Flowers, Boston College. Jackson Smith and Jigba somehow gets back there. That's, I mean, slam dunk. You take that guy in a heartbeat. There there are guys that could be available. And then if, you know, for some reason the draft comes and goes, you don't add a receiver. Then at that point, maybe you can add a veteran. But I think it, it is sort of like a eyebrow raise kind of deal. If they don't sign one between here and the draft, that it, at least is on their radar and is, is a decent possibility uh, in the draft and possibly early in the draft. All right. So, yeah, you mentioned the draft where – a little over a month away. We'll certainly yeah. have a lot of that coming uh, up. We have, you know, uh, pre-draft visits and whatnot to track. Are they just going to draft B. John Robinson? We'll talk about all of that mm-hmm. uh, and more as we get closer and closer coming up here. Kind of crazy. It's only a month away. The Super Bowl being, you know, going to the Super Bowl, it's just shortening the offseason is really, it's a real thing. Like, the offseason feels so much more condensed as it should. Yes. Uh, any final thoughts about you, Jimmy? Well, I wanted to say uh, on the Riku point, <laughs> I know Sheil uh, gets teased a little bit because one time on Birds with Friends, uh, he said 
instead of saying minutia, yeah, he said minute. Yeah, because <laughs> that's kind he of likes that. I think he stands by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it looks like in print. <laughs> so that's a funny one. Uh, I have a friend, Neil, uh, Neil Wetzel, who, uh, oh, what was of Wetzel's saying pretzels? It, yeah, he. Uh, oh man, I, I now I brought his name up and I forget mm. what his phrase was. Oh, come on. Terrible job by you. It's a terrible job. Why don't you give your final thought and we'll come back to me if I think of it. Yeah, I'll give you some time. My final thought is that uh, it's not a sponsor. I wish they were, to be honest. Um, So you're welcome, Wawa. But I have the Wawa app (laughs) and I saw a coupon in there um, for a $2 any size recharger, they're calling it. And apparently they have these kind of drinks at Starbucks. I don't know. I don't go to Starbucks as much, so I didn't know that. Um, but man, I had this coupon for this recharger drink, um, which kind of has like, uh, there's like some fruit elements to it. The one I got was called the galaxy and I got the frozen kind and it had like uh blue raspberry lemonade and passion fruit or something. And it was awesome. It, I could, like, there's some caffeine in it. It gives you a little boost. If it's so refreshing, I had it on Wednesday and it was like six, you know, 60 degrees out, relatively nice. And yeah. I had walked over, um, you know, so I, I built up a thirst, if you will. And uh, it just felt so good going down. So definitely check those out, the rechargers. I think they're they're really good. It reminded me, it's the closest thing I had to, you ever have those items in life where it's like a fast food item or maybe like a snack and like you love it and then it just goes away. They discontinue it and you're like, oh, that's a bummer. I love that thing. That was like my favorite thing. Um, uh the cherry berry chiller from McDonald's was that for me. Oh, I used to get okay. that like early 2010s or so when they would had it. And I would, I would work like a long uh, day, well, whatever I'd work. I work, I work uh, a hot summer day uh, when my summer job in high school and I would get out and then I would go to McDonald's and get a cherry berry chiller. And it was just, it was like so good. I was so thirsty. It felt so refreshing. It was just a nice little treat um, to help like kind of, you know, take me out of the work mode and get me into relaxing and ready to go to bed. And they did away with it. And I was so sad because it was so good. Um, but this is the closest thing I've had to that since. So if you were like that, I think you're going to like these rechargers and you should give it a try. Cause I think they're, they're really nice. I'm sorry, buddy. That, uh, I'm sorry for your loss right. on that. Well, my, I have the rechargers that, in my life now. Was, did you ever have good and fruities? No. You've had good and plenties, right? Yes. Well, they, they had a different, they had a different version of that called good and fruity. And then that went away. And I really missed it. And then it came back and I ate a ton of them. And then I think it's gone again already. I, I, mm. I assume it's gone again if you don't know what they are. <laughs> They're certainly not widely available. That's for sure. Um, okay. Anyway, I remember what Neil Wetzel said. So <laughs> the phrase, a blessing in disguise, when like, you know, something happens and you think it's bad in the moment, but ultimately it winds up being, right. you know, a, a good thing that happened. Like the Eagles well, not being able to trade up for Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Yes, exactly. That wound up being a blessing in disguise. Perfect example. Well, Neil said one time, he goes, yeah, it's a blessing in, and he's, I'll say it slowly. It's a blessing in the skies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a blessing in the skies. <laughs> what would that even be? Like a, 
like money falling from the sky or something. I don't know, or like we made some, fun of him for like the next two decades after he's <laughs> like a really nice uh, sunset or something, you know, like a, I guess some fireworks going know. off, a blessing. In well, the he skies. was using it in the right context, but in, in the same context as blessing in disguise. Right, but I'm saying like, what but, would that but actually he said, be? Blessing in the skies. <laughs> Maybe like uh, you really needed some rain. It's hot out. If you say it fast enough, they really do sound the same. Blessing in disguise, blessing in the skies. Like that, that I just said both of them. But exactly, so I think it was my buddy Kevin who heard it correctly. He heard him say the skies, and he said, "Wait, say that slowly." And then Neil said it slowly, and we're like, "Bah, you idiot!" <laughs> <laughs> Poor anything roasted for on the podcast too. The full name, that's great. Yeah. You, you could have said his first name, but he, had he to say deserves his last the doxing. I think. <laughs> um, I also, that, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I also do the, uh, I feel like I, I'm mentally guilty or like when someone will be like, Hey, look at the sky. And I'm like, which guy, you know, like, <laughs> yes, which guy are you talking? No, this guy. So yeah, that's definitely a little thing there. That's a fun one. Uh, let us know if there's anything out there that you really loved that was discontinued, like a snack or something. My snack was the late July, um, bacon habanero chips that I love so much. That was such a great Man, that was, that was such a good snack. Uh, if you have anything out there that you like that was discontinued and you wish it would come back, uh, you can tweet at Jimmy Kemsky and at Brandon Gatton with hashtag BGN discontinue. Has, well, no, I don't like. No, we're not going to do that <laughs> because that is a really bad hashtag. That's, that's a bad vibe. That's bad vibes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Jimmy wants to end the podcast. Is what he's saying. I think. I think it's hashtag BGN bring it back. Okay. Hashtag BGN bring it back. <laughs> BGN discontinue. No, don't tweet that. <laughs> uh, Especially after you were just talking about how the podcast has been around for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it, imagine like a world where the hashtag really takes off. It's like trending. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, wait, what's oh, going what on did, with this? Wow, did they say something messed up yeah. or something? What's going on Oh, here? man. Well, maybe that would be good for the listening, the downloads. <laughs> No, uh, we're not going to do that. All right. Anyway, this has been BGN Radio. Again, we'll have more episodes for you, as we always do, at least one a week, uh, if not more, depending on what the Eagles do and whatnot. Um, follow us on social media. The info for that is in the description below. My work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Jimmy's work at PhillyVoice.com. Check out our sponsors who help keep the lights on here at the podcast. That is Righteous Helen Craft Jerky. Go to RightToSellin.com. Use discount code BGN15. BGN15 for 15% off your order. And then if you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house, or looking for any kind of real estate advice or any of that, you want to talk to Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. And you can contact her you can contact her via phone by calling or texting this number. 856-906-9295. We'll be back with you next week. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.